this is Brooklyn Mike of TBMSRadio.com. Join me and my great co-host, Mike Scully and DJ Scott West on the Brooklyn Beef Podcast. This will be a series of podcast topics in dealing with the stupidity and disrespect in people, politics, situations, processes, or anything that just really pisses us off. This will be a great podcast series that can be accessed on any of your favorite podcast platforms. So please subscribe to our podcast shows right now on tbmsradio.com and join in on our Facebook group page discussions by liking our Facebook group, The Brooklyn Beef. This is uh, Brooklyn Mike on TBMSRadio.com. We are here with uh, my co-host, DJ Scott West, uh, down in Maryland. And uh, we have a a very great uh, uh, topic this time. It's turning in a city, a small city, into communism. So, uh, (laughs) well, it's how they're trying to do it. Yeah, it's, well, how they're trying to do it. So, Scott... We haven't had a podcast in a little bit, and uh, yeah, well, you've you've been a little on the busy side. I've been a little on the busy side too, but you have been like the mega man of local politics up there, and just uh, be, becoming a little thorn in the side of your local socialist community. <laughs> well, so yeah, and, and you know, one thing is, I I never thought or anticipated ever getting into politics or. Uh, considering getting into politics, nor would I even discuss politics or religion with anybody. Oh, no. I mean, that was, I mean, that was part of being a DJ, among other things, because there are some things you just don't talk about. Right. I mean, we're, we're there to provide services to our clients, and, you know, it is what it is. And but it, I'm with you. I, you know, politics is, you know, no thanks. Don't want to talk about it. But... Yeah, so... And, and uh, it's a crazy year this year. We have uh, major elections. Um, yes. And there's a lot major. of major things going on in the city. Uh, not only in the city, in the country. Um, we have been dealing with some things and some issues here in the city. And we're in the middle. We're an hour east of Rochester, New York. And okay. we are an hour west of Syracuse, New York. So, when those two cities have some major issues, we get a lot of the overflow, uh, the, the overflow, if you will. Right. So, I moved up here about three years ago and absolutely love the city of Geneva. What's ha- what has happened in the last couple of months is the surfacing of stuff that's been happening and brewing for years before this. Right. And this is, I mean, and this is not just Geneva. This is happening all across the country and it's been building it, but people didn't realize it because it's all happening below the surface where nobody really pays attention to it because they don't have anything to do with these various organizations. Right. And and people are comfortable, you know, they're living comfortable and they're going about their business. They're going to work every day. They're, matter of fact, there's a lot of agriculture here. So a lot of people do their farming and just mind their business. We have a lot of uh, 
Mennonites. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a lot of Amish. We have a lot of people on a day-to-day that just go to work and just pay their taxes and are just happy but don't know what is happening behind the scenes. Right. And so um, here I am, a retired aeronautical engineer, and I'm retired, enjoying my music, my DJing on the radio, Mm -hmm. on tbmsradio.com. And uh, I just love this area. And so um, I don't know, I don't even know how it started with me getting my nose into things. I think I do know exactly how it started because you are a very patriotic person. I am. You are, you also are a huge supporter of law enforcement in general. Absolutely. And when you started supporting your local police department, the Geneva police department, um, you started talking to the officers. You got to know them. They became your friends. You got to find out about what is going on in the police department. You got to find out what's going on in the city that's affecting or potentially going to affect the police department, how it operates and the officers and their welfare in general, as well as how they do their job. And, and that's correct. I, I, uh, I'm a big supporter and a big believer in law and order. Absolutely. Not only in the, most people, most people are not only in our city, but in our country. Right. And, and so uh, in the last couple of months, we've had a lot of stuff happening since, and we've talked about this in other uh, podcasts, uh, the, the death of George Floyd. Yes. Um, and how that triggered off all of these protests that turned into riots. And look what's happening down in our city, uh, New York City. It's absolutely insane. Uh, what's happening into some other major cities in uh, out in uh, Washington State? Oh my goodness! Chicago, Seattle, Seattle. over in Oregon, out in Portland. Yeah, all these crazy things. And you're absolutely right. Now, as you were speaking, I realized how I got sucked into this. Mm-hmm. It ha- it started with G- Geneva Police Department, and then just trying to back the blue up there in Geneva. Yep. And then all of a sudden you started realizing, wait a minute, why is our city council trying to hogtie and hamper the police department instead of supporting it? Because all of a sudden here's this PAB, um, remind me what that stands for? Uh, Police Police Accountability Board. Board. Accountability Board, there we go. I mean, we actually believe in Montgomery County, our county council is doing something very similar on their own with no input from the community except those that are selected to be on the board right and they've chosen and and we actually have two separate boards mind you one that was created by the county executive and one that was created by the county council wow so So, you have two accountabilities yeah and they think each one of them thinks that they are better than the other and one is you know got 20 something people on it the other has 13 or 14 people on it and we actually have (laughs) we actually have some county council members who are community activists but they are not leaders and there's a big difference between a community activist and a leader now you're seeing the same thing up in geneva with your city council right because you have some council members who themselves are activists right 
but they're absolutely not leaders in they're, any way, shape, or form. They're not leaders, but they're in positions of leadership. And therein lies the problem. Exactly. So, after being sucked in to this twilight zone, if you will. Uh, <laughs> you've been doing a lot of research, too, because you you and I have been chatting, texting, emailing some some facetiming here and there and and we've also been receiving information from the inside from people that we're actually protecting yeah because protecting their anonymity because they're kind of concerned for themselves as well as concerned for their family you know i never ever thought i'd be part of an organization that had access to insider information right Right. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, we have we have our anonymous sources. So, yeah, we have anonymous sources, and there is at least five people that I'm actually protecting. And one individual uh, came to me today and asked me to please keep him an- anonymous about something that I did this week. And I said, so no, she no. wants you to keep her anonymous? <laughs> no, he does. <laughs> <laughs> no, she does. Yes, she does. Yeah, that's so, how you keep them anonymous. Yeah. So anyway, um, it, it, it's crazy. So now as I backtrack, and and uh, I'm going to backtrack two situations or two topics. One that you said your area has two groups of, oh, yeah. of accountability for the police. Yeah. Now. Oh, oh, and, and they're, they're both in the middle of reimagining policing in montgomery county right and and because they're staffed by people who are inexperienced correct there now and not, and not a single person here's the other thing not a single person on either group or in either group has any law enforcement experience whatsoever as a matter of fact they purposely chose people who didn't have any law enforcement experience to reimagine policing in this county and you speak from major experience because you yourself are a police officer that's right. I have 25 plus years. I'm at the 25 and a half year mark. Um, I'm hoping to be out at about the 29 year mark. Right. So here's here's my thing. Uh, is either one of those two groups, are they tasked with also disciplining the police department? They want to be. They want to be. Okay. They absolutely want to be. Okay. Of course they do. Right, because there yeah. is an ultimate goal of these oh, yeah. groups uh, being developed or forming, if you will. These groups have an ultimate reason for wanting to uh, to form. As a matter of fact, they claim that the city of Geneva has a major police problem. Uh, as yeah, same here. The I mean, the the cert, certain members of our county council also claim the same thing about our police department. Now, there was a gentleman who was who was shot and killed uh, here in Geneva by a Geneva police officer, and the Geneva police officer was found not guilty. And this gentleman, after now, 50, that was by a grand jury, right? Uh, yes, and this okay. gentleman was not. Uh, complying with the police department when he was being arrested he was a criminal mind you he was a criminal yeah. they told him oh, yeah. do I'm not sure he's got a criminal record do not get in the vehicle do not get in the vehicle he got into his vehicle grabbed something and that's when he got shot right. he he grabbed his phone 
and okay. it appeared well, late at night. It appeared as a as a handgun. Now I know, and that's uh, <laughs> hey, trust me. We've done we've done scenarios. We do scenarios every year in training. Almost every single police department nationwide has annual training requirements that they are absolutely required to do. They have training. Um, uh, they they have requirements they have to meet annually right to maintain their certification as a sworn police officer right they have statewide um shoot now i'm having a brain fart you know old age sucks i'll tell you qualifications what. or yes well state statewide yeah qualifications that they are required to meet right and in our department we do a lot of live action scenario based training where we have academy staff members who role play as people that we might come across in various situations on the street. Right. And guys, the officers, you know, the role playing officer will reach into his pocket, come at us in an aggressive manner and whip his cell phone out. And in that split second, we have to identify it as a phone or a gun. Right. And like, Oh, what's he pulling out? I mean, and in that split second, our guns come up, but it's a shoot-don't-shoot shoot scenario. Right. So at that point, you have to make a split decision whether or not you're going home that evening or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, honestly, there are a lot of times, and in a majority of situations where officers interact with the public, and we haven't even touched on the number of interactions there are between police and civilians right on an annual basis so I mean, in addition that aside yeah in addition to this all right if we were to eliminate an accountability especially if the if the department that we're talking about doesn't have a major issue this guy right. got shot there was another uh, woman who was uh there's a case pending right now where a police officer was choking a woman who was um uh being obnoxious and uh she was arrested, but she was handcuffed, but she, the, the, the officer grabbed her uh, by the throat. So there's a problem there. That case is there still is. pending. Okay. Okay. And, and you know what? I'm not going to sugarcoat it. As a cop, we were actually trained 25 plus years ago, almost 26 years ago when I started the academy. Um, we were trained in certain tactics, defensive tactics. And what we what is sometimes known as a sleeper hold is called the lateral vascular neck restraint. It's where the officer reaches their arm around and you put pressure on both sides of the neck and apply just gentle pressure and it slowly brings a person to unconsciousness. Right. However, it does not kill them. Right. And that was something that some teenagers used to do as a challenge. Yeah. Now, Re not that, too now, long here's, ago. Now, here's the thing. That was taught, like I said, 25 years ago. Right. Our, de our department got rid of that almost right after I hit the street. So 23 years ago, they quit teaching it at our academy. And we came up with different methods of get gaining compliance from people that we were trying to take into custody. So that was that was thrown out of the book in our department. We have not done it. So these these one of the things that our county council has done and that city councils and county councils across the nation are doing, they're making chokeholds illegal. Well, right. here's a news flash, folks. 
most departments don't use them anyway because they're actually forbidden in the general orders or in the the uh, department's regulations. Well, so the city of Geneva has gone even further because the city council, certain people on the city council, have um, also discussed de-weaponizing the police department. Oh, that we've had that discussion down here as well. Okay, so which takes me to this next step, and then we'll get into our topic, which is um, small cities becoming communist, or yeah. how they're trying to become communist. In your department, as well as any other job that I worked with in the past, whether I, you know, I was an engineer, aeronautical engineer, you have okay. Suppose you do something wrong in the aeronautical field there's not a cloud to pull over on if that plane is designed incorrectly yeah so there are processes in place to protect the people that are in that aircraft to guarantee that that plane takes off and lands at its destination without having to pull over at the nearest cloud right okay so i would imagine i'm not a police officer and this is this is a great thing. There's two things that about you, Scott, that is fantastic. One is you're the other side of, because I jump off the cliff and I get pissed off. That <laughs> Hence the reason why we call this the Brooklyn Beef. It has everything to do that pisses me off. And lately, that's why we haven't had another podcast in such a long time, because I've been busy with all these things that piss me off that I, we haven't had the time. Well, you've been going to meetings and you've been doing a boatload of research Absolutely. on this stuff so that you can then present fact, not fiction. Exactly. And that's what we're going to talk about is facts. So we have processes in the engineering field, which I would also imagine that you guys have processes that you guys follow in addition oh, to absolutely. in addition to there is a um, disciplinary actions that are taking place for those police officers that are bad apples or who make the wrong decisions yeah and we we've we've had officers fired now i will say that as a union employee in a big department it's a little more challenging to fire a police officer correct but at the same time, we go by verifiable, objective fact versus hurt feelings. Right. So, so in my field, in the engineering field, I worked for large corporations. It took me about 12 months of evidence digging before I was able to go to and worked with very closely the HR department to get someone laid off or fired because of poor performance. It took me over six months to do the same thing for someone who was a subcontractor to our corporation. So if you were an employee, we had to dig further and HR had to dig further. And, uh, you know, the, the employee was somewhat protected. You know, you're innocent until proven guilty. And that's, and that's, see, that's, and that's a good thing. I mean, yes, they may not have been a stellar employee and yes, we have officers that should not be officers. However, they check all the boxes in the training room. They pass everything that they need to in such a way that they can then move on to the next step. And here's an example. I had two employees. One was a poor employee and 
he kind of retired in place and he was just a poor performer at at the end and so after about a year he had it was either he got convinced that he needs to retire or he's going to get fired another case that i had and in all my years 35 year 35 plus years of an engineer i had another situation where this other gentleman became a poor performer and i smelled liquor on his breath constantly wow after digging into his situation guess what i found out that he wasn't an alcoholic he was a diabetic that didn't even know he was diabetic oh and he was having medical issues on he the job. was he was having medical issues that he was unaware of but because i was sensitive to his performance and i smelled uh which seemed to well, me thought to be alcohol i thought to be alcohol was the development of his medical issue that came out of his breath as alcohol but it was diabetic it was the sugar being developed in his yeah. system yeah, and so you were you were actually able to help him get to some medical professionals who were able to give him the guidance he needed and get him get his health squared away exactly until i knew it that it was a medical issue i really thought he was a drunk because right. it, it 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 actually mimics a person being a, an alcoholic yes and when we pull over drunks that is one of the questions we ask are you diabetic right we have to and and, and so we, and we have to ask if they have health issues and we have to try to do things to eliminate that as a possibility and, and you see that was the 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 situation that i was not trained for like right. you guys are trained for. And one of the things you look for that I didn't look for because I'm a manager in an engineering field, not aware that what he his symptoms were could potentially be a medical condition and not a... Right. So in his case, he was safe, right? He was able to get help and fix his medical, medical condition to the point where he still had a job, where the other individual made the decision that, yeah... He's at a retirement age. He was going to take the retirement and not be retired in place and still rape the company. He was right. a good performer at one time, but as he got right. older, he decided, eh, he made his time. He's just sitting in place. So there's a situation. So as I was saying before, police officers have their mechanisms in place that if th that department doesn't really have a major issue, then why do we need a police accountability board and here's the answer what i found out in in all my research is that as we start to approach the socialism marxism into communism this is the plan that needs to be taking taken in order to eliminate the police department so that they can proceed forward with their with their plan their agenda their political agenda yeah. Yeah, because the communist socialist organizations can't do what they want to do because, A, it's illegal in a, in a lawful society such as ours. And if you have a police department, then they're going to be in the way and they're going to interfere with you doing whatever you want. And that's one thing I've noticed about all these socialist communist organizations is they call those of us who are upholding the constitution both the u.s constitution and our state constitutions and our local laws and codes we're the ones who are being called fascists 
Yet the anti-fascists, the Antifa types, the socialist types who say that they are representative of the little guy, of the laborers, they're the ones who are using the very tactics that they're accusing us of using. Right. And we aren't doing any, I mean, police work in general, you have two types of police work. You have proactive and you have reactive. If you're doing proactive police work, like used to be done in a lot of major cities, crime went down. You're getting illegal guns off the street. You were stopping crimes before they occurred. You were lowering the number of victims in a community. Right. When you have a model of policing that is purely reactive, crime rates go up because all you're doing now is reacting to people's calls for help and for service. And once someone has called 911, it takes a minimum of five minutes. Right. From the time you dial that first nine to the time an officer might be there. Right. I mean, as as good as technology is, and as good as the the protocols are, and as as good as our dispatchers are nowadays, and as good as the equipment they have is, and as good as our radios are, there's still a lag because right. the call goes from you, the person who's in need of police services. To the call taker. Right. They're putting the information on the screen. They're entering it into the computer. They need your name. They need to know what you're dressed as, what you're wearing. What's your emergency? Were you shot? Were you stabbed? Are you overdosing? Are you being mugged, robbed, whatever? We need to at least know, have an idea of what we're coming into. Is there more than one assailant? Right. And people who are screaming for help, send the police, send the police, get here as quickly as possible. They're, they're, they're not understanding in the heat of the moment. Why are you asking all these dumbass questions? Well, if I'm getting a call on the radio to respond to something, I need to know if I'm walking into a situation where there's more than one person, possibly with a gun, with knives, with some kind of weapon, a baseball bat, a machete. Am I walking into a hostile situation where there's a bunch of people who hate the police right who have access to weapons or am i am i looking for someone who's going to be running from the scene did you just get assaulted what does that person look like just get at, at least are they white are they asian are they hispanic are they black are they wearing a hoodie what color is their top what color are their bottoms you know, the pants, blue jeans, black. So let me green. ask you a question. Why uh -huh. are they giving you a color of a person? Is that because they want you to profile or is it because they want you to detail or, or uh, so we want pinpoint? So we can stop the right person. Exactly. All right. It's not to profile, but it, it is no. to, to find it's a descriptive of the individual. No. I mean, if, if, if a lady's being assaulted or molested by a white guy with a beard, then... I need to know that because if there's two black kids that are walking away from the area that she's saying she's being assaulted in, you're not stopping them. No, I'm going to, I'm not even looking at them because I'm looking for a white guy. Right. And that's my and point. I know, I know I'm looking for a white guy with a beard because these now, people here are, are saying, well, they're doing that because it's a racist thing. They're going to target certain individuals. No. Okay. No, not at all. We I just want to, that to be clear. 
yeah, when someone commits a crime, we have to know what they look like so we can, because nine times out of 10, if not more, when you're calling to commit, to report a crime being committed, by the time we are anywhere close to you, the person who's committing that crime has left your immediate area and they're in the process of fleeing because they know you called the cops. Right. So going back to the George, George Floyd thing, mm-hmm. there are Good people and bad people. This has nothing to do with race, has nothing to do with color. And to be clear, and a lot of people, I've been called a racist in recent weeks. To be clear, when I look at someone, and you know this, Scott, because I've worked with people and I've also done things for people and I've also married people, has nothing to do with color, race, religion, or anything else. When I look at an individual, I look at the individual. Yeah, are, are they, they nice a, or are they not nice? Right, are they a good person or are they not a, ba- a good person and they are a bad person? And that's the way I was brought up in my home that there was only two people in this world. It had nothing to do with color, race, religion, or anything else. Right. So, um, when, I, when, when the George Floyd thing happened, this happened because it was a bad apple. And this is still under investigation. He's still in jail and everything else. He's a bad apple. He he did what he did was incorrectly. And plus, on the other side, on the flip side, well, we don't know all the, the things that happened because now there's videos, other videos that are transpiring. Oh, yeah. I mean, they released the body cam footage from all the officers right. that got leaked. Right. And when you look at the totality of the circumstance and you also look at the fact that George Floyd ingested illegal substance exactly on police body camera. You can't say that didn't have anything to do with his death. So as the investigation, we're talking fentanyl as the, and fentanyl fentanyl is, is a bad, bad shit. I mean, just a little teeny bit will kill you. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that hospitals don't use it often. Oh, I had it. When, and when they use it, oh, I know, oh, me too. I've had it. Yeah. But it's 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 delivered in doses of micrograms. Right. So, regardless of the investigation and whether or not he needed to be arrested. Right. And now, and you, you also touched on something. I mean, let's look at the training for that department. Right. My department's training levels are way the hell up here. Okay. Right. Because we try to be one of those departments that likes to be an example for other departments. We are a large department. We're a 1200 person department. We're one of the largest where I think we're the third largest department in the state of Maryland, third or fourth largest in the state of Maryland. Baltimore city is the largest. Uh, Prince George's County is larger than we are. And I think we're next in line. Right. Okay. So we have a large department. We are very involved with a lot of regional task forces we have members of our department on secret service task forces we do a lot of work with the presidential motorcades with the secret service with metropolitan you're not too far from washington dc right outside dc and so every time the president comes up to walter reed medical center in bethesda what used to be the old bethesda naval medical center we are shutting down roads. We're manning intersections. I mean, we, we've had presidential motorcades coming and going through Montgomery County for decades. Right. I mean, they used to drive through Montgomery County to go up to Camp David if they couldn't fly. Right. So, you know, us working with presidential motorcades is nothing but a thing. We do it all the time. The point here is that 
we do a lot of things with a lot of people. We are in the public eye a lot. Washington, D.C. being like the epicenter of the world for politics, for power, for just about anything you can think of, there's a lot of media. Right. There are a lot of cameras. We can't move in this area without being on camera somewhere. Exactly. Whether it's a car accident, whether it's a, uh, a, a robbery just occurred of a business, a big business. We, we have a lot of wealthy people. We have a lot of high-profile people that live in this area. And I, I, used to, I used to live yeah. down there. And so I knew there yeah. was cameras just about every block. Exactly. And you can't really handle any task in the police department in this area without showing up on TV at least once or twice in your career. So you better be, you better be trained very good. You need to know your stuff. So our, our level of training is up here. Other departments, they feel like there are other priorities. So they, their, their level of training may not be, to what ours is right but they meet their state's mandated level of training right so if he's doing what he's been taught and even though i mean he was a veteran officer okay he was a veteran officer and he did what he was taught and trained as a young officer right that's what he did was that the proper thing to do no absolutely not so however however you have to train your whole department to get away from certain things. Right. I mean, we're, we're dealing with something similar down here. Now we didn't have anything like that, but we've had an incident or two. And I, this was actually before this happened, before that happened with Floyd. Um, this incident happened and an officer acted in a way that, was frowned upon by most people. Right. But to the letter of the law and to his training, it was not totally inappropriate. Okay. So, and, and that is still probably cases pending as well. Oh, it is. Okay. It is. So regardless of the training and everything else, of course, you're going to deal with the factor of, you know, you have a bad apple. Okay. Yeah. So, if we put all the, let's say George Floyd was a priest. Okay. And, and he did everything correctly, and yet this police officer put his knee on his, on his neck and, and killed him. Okay? So, potentially, we have a bad, a bad apple among right. the police department. Absolutely. Is that enough to convict every police officer in that department, in that state, in that city, in this country? No. Okay. We have bad apples even in our family as family members that we, we don't pick our family. And no. yet we have bad apples within our family. Absolutely. And we have to make decisions to cut them out and, and not live with those people or not allow those people into the negativity into our lives. Right. So regardless of what field what um whether it's a business a police officer a family member we're going to have bad and good people again this is what i'm going back to there's it's it's about bad and good good and evil and not necessarily um 
it, it's not a racist. Do we have a racist problem? We may have a racist problem. We probably do have a racist problem, but nothing like uh, the racist issues we had back in the 60s. Oh, my goodness. My goodness, our, no. And our country has made leaps and bounds oh my goodness. in well, eliminating uh, racism. Yes, it has, but not according to certain groups. Exactly, and that's where we are today. And so. the funny thing is, to me, these groups are trying to take us back to what it was before, before the, 60s. the civil rights era. Exactly. So here I was supporting the blue at a blue rally because I found out that uh, they were trying to eliminate the police and trying to defund the police and trying to. So I went to a rally and then mm -hmm. all these other protesters showed up and and I couldn't believe that it was happening here in the city of Geneva. And then things started transpiring in Seattle, Chicago, New York City. My, my hometown, Brooklyn, made national mm -hmm. news. Bay Ridge made national news because of oh, yeah. all these protesters throwing trash cans of fire into a, a police rally. Yeah. So loving... This city of Geneva, I absolutely love this city of Geneva. And I turned around and started to research because we have in the city of Geneva a couple. And I found out one in particular, city councilor mm -hmm. of Ward 5, Laura Salamandra. <laughs> We're not going to name any names, though. No, we will not name names. Laura Salamandra is the leader of this police accountability board the police accountability board and the document for which it's becoming law trying she's trying to pass this as law was written by the ppp which is the people's, people's peaceful, peaceful protest protest right okay was written by the ppp which they are far from legislative writers no they're they're just far left activists exactly so this is not only happening in Geneva, it's happening in no. around the country at small cities just like Geneva. Right. Funneling up to a state level all the way to the federal federal now, level. Now, let's let's talk about this real quick because this is important and I think this is one of the most basic pieces of understanding someone has to have about this. When you have a group like the People's Peaceful Protest, right, who write and want to pass legislation in plain English language that is written by people who have zero legislative experience. Zero experience in the police they department. Have zero police experience. They have zero legislative experience. They are not lawyers right. for the most part. Right. But yet they're trying to force local governments to pass this so that they can then have some precedent to say, oh, well, look, we did this at a local level. Why can't we do this at a state level? And we will use this template. This is what it has to say. Why? Why does it have to? Why don't you just put across a list of what you would like to see and then go about getting it put on the ballot the proper way and let the voters do what they need to do? Because put it to a general vote. Exactly. Let let the citizens decide who are all affected by these rules and regulations decide if it's something they want. Because 
because some because of these they know it won't pass right and and because they know it won't pass and because some of these city councilors came into the positions that they are currently in through the back door if you will okay because they were not as vocal as they came in for example laura salamandra came in as a um a democrat right she said she's a democrat but she also did not fully tell everybody what her background is and what she would like to accomplish but today she tells people that she had no qualms of telling everyone that she was a proud communist I bet she wouldn't have been voted in if she'd said that when she was running. I guarantee you, she only person. she only won by twelve votes. <laughs> so, and there's other things that lead me to believe I question even the twelve votes. Okay, right. so with with all that's going on in the world of balloting today, yeah, yes. So that's, I, that's probably why. Not to mention that she has a friend in the BOE, which is the um, Board uh, of Elections. Board of Elections. Okay, so. So I started, and here's where I got sucked in, okay? I started becoming more intrigued with what was going on with our police department that I started to dig into stuff. And then all of a sudden, I started getting people out of the woodwork coming to me because mm -hmm. I'm the one who ended up with the voice for Geneva. I'm the one yeah, who has... I wonder why. I'm the one, I'm the one who has the balls to say things and not care what I'm saying because I'm going to say it if I don't like you. I will tell you that. And I have no qualms to tell you that. Right. And I went through a period of time where I was getting threatened. My family, my home, my property was getting threatened. Right. By these so-called peaceful protesters. The business tbmsradio.com tbmsradio.com is um was also threatened yeah they were trying to find out who your owner was from what i understand yeah they try to find out <laughs> who was the owner of the radio station yeah so they could pull you off the air yeah. lo and behold I, I bet they were a little shocked and a little miffed when they found out that you actually own tbms radio well it, lisa owns it lisa, she's the, yeah lisa owns the tbms radio.com who is my fiance guess what <laughs> i'm not getting off the air yeah, no. and here we are writing a or generating another podcast that's right okay so so after this whole thing i started digging into our city council and find out that there's, uh, I believe, nine members on the city council, uh, two of which are Republicans, the rest are Democrats, or claim to be Democrats. Mm -hmm. Some of them are actually communists. Right. And so I started finding out that there's organizations. I found out that there's, we have a college, Hobart William Smith College. We won't mention which college it is. Right. Right? Hobart no. William Smith. <laughs> yeah. No, we won't mention the name of the college. We'll just say its initials are yeah, Hobart HWS. Yeah. HWS. <laughs> Hobart William Smith College. And that's what HWS stands for. Right. And within that college, there are people who practice, who call their students comrades, who teach communism, has 15 books 
out has authored 15 books about communism. Wow. And is absolutely proud of it. And she How? is good friends with this city councilor of Ward 5, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Laura Salamandra. Right. So, so just out of curiosity, yep, totally possibly unrelated. How much does it cost per year to go to HWS for a student? Uh, about seventy thousand per year. Uh, I believe that's about. Uh, so a liberal arts degree from yep. HWS yep. runs about two hundred and eighty thousand dollars when all is said and done. Correct. I believe that's so, correct. Actually, if you toss in books, campus, yeah, yeah. dining well, plans, meal I, plans, I, and all that, you're looking at about three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, be, between two for a liberal arts degree. Yeah, I think between two fifty and three hundred thousand. Okay. Wow. So how to be a communist? Yeah. And uh, well, now that's now I I can't broad brush. I can't just disparage and say everybody there is learning that, but. When you have an institution that knowingly has professors on staff and they support these professors, then it's kind of hard to not come to the conclusion that the entire institution isn't that way. Right. So the, in, the entire institution, now there are, we just got a new president for the college and she was just on a I'm sorry tour because she said something in contradictory in contradiction to the beliefs of the college or the professors of the college. And she was ridiculed to the point where she just went on a, an apology tour because I believe in her own, in her heart. I truly believe that she knows that things that are going on in the college shouldn't happen because right. eventually this could really affect the income of the college. Oh, absolutely. Especially, it, it will affect the bottom line. If these parents find out what their children... Yeah, I know, right? You, we shouldn't have this podcast because it could affect their bottom line. Well, you know what? And, I mean, college itself and this pandemic has actually really focused the, the lens on colleges in general. The cost of tuition. Right. The cost of the services. If your students aren't able to attend the college in person why is it costing me fifteen thousand dollars a semester for my kid to do these classes on the computer from his bedroom or from my living room just to learn to be a communist or just to learn anything <laughs> yeah whether it's learning to be a communist or whatever why am i paying fifteen thousand dollars a semester when he's not getting the benefit of being able to just walk to the professor's office and have a two-hour discussion with the professor you know when they have office hours or the teaching assistant or if they don't have the ability to meet in person with a bunch of other students yes you can zoom a group meeting a class session but we all know that there are limitations to that and that you can only do so much right in an online setting environment right so yeah. so here we are so now there you know it brings other things involved like supposedly they came the students came back after the summer uh we had a, a rise of uh, of of covid 
happening in the college. And because I ended up pushing it, they weren't reporting it to the city of Geneva. Oh. So they were they were trying to avoid the shutdown of the college because the, the, the governor said that if we have so many people in a school that we can shut the school down. So they were right. being very quiet until I started pushing this issue. And I still believe today that they're not correctly reporting the numbers happening. And between the lines in their reports to the to the press and to uh, the Department of Health, after I pushed it, they in between the lines they said it was community acquired what the hell does that mean community acquired does that mean community they came acquired. they came back here from summer vacation and they acquired it through the community well what community did they acquire it from the college community the people community in geneva or what so i believe Their communities where they came from right so but they didn't they didn't clarify that they didn't of course not of course not so anyway so scott the reason why we haven't had, and, and we're running almost in an hour of just this topic, and I believe this oh, is... This is just the beginning. This is just I mean, the beginning. We're just, yeah, we're just trying to give you a groundwork. We're just trying to lay the base for what's coming. So you've got Hobart William Smith College right. as ties to the Geneva City Council. Absolutely. And guess what? Before we even move to any other discussions about that flow chart that we created i created right. Right. was was um they i feel that it's a huge huge conflict of interest to have a a college a a college entity pulling the strings or or uh, managing a city council or a city government entity Absolutely. Now, I can understand. I mean, when you there are a lot of towns around this country that are built right outside of college gates. Right. Ann Arbor, Michigan. Right. First one that comes to mind, that's the University of Michigan, right? Right. Okay. So um, whatever city is right outside Michigan State. Right. Um, Notre Dame, whatever town is right outside that. Uh, you look in the uh, North Carolina down in, near Duke University, you've got the research triangle area down there, Raleigh, Durham, places like that. So you've got these towns that are built near or right outside of colleges. So yeah, the college community is a huge, um, they, they give, they give, a lot, I mean, the towns get a lot from the students, from their parents, from visitors. So the, the city coffers do well, because money is spent by the students. There's right. a lot of spending going on. However, 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 it is still an incorporated city or an incorporated municipality that must sustain itself to provide public safety, police, fire, public works, roads, trash collection, all that stuff. And we're going to get into what my plan would be if I was mayor, which, okay. which I plan to, to move forward with. Because our mayor has you're really you're you're really jumping into this politics. Thing I with both I went feet. from not speaking about politics to all of a sudden considering running for an office, and 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 I got the balls for it, and our current mayor does not have any to run this city. So we have this connection as you were getting ready to to describe 
this flowchart that I developed. Right. Which is what we're going to discuss in a, in a future, maybe one, maybe even more because of the topics. Oh, it's gonna, dude, I'm looking at your flowchart right now. It's going to take us like five or six podcasts to get through just how interwoven and interconnected the city is, the city council is, with not just Hobart William Smith College, but with the various organizations that are based out of or tied strongly with the college. Exactly. And also to possibly city council, which which we're talking about uh, the Board of Education. Yeah. Connections. And we're not just talking about operational connections. We're talking about personal connections. And some right. of them which, lead into... some. I mean, personal connections can lead to, hey, why don't you teach this kind of right. format? Conflict of interests. And, yes. Okay. Exactly. Board of elections. The city workers. The city manager. The organizations that we've come across. The Fisher Center. Geneva Women's Assembly. Uh, Tools for Social Change. Party for Socialism and Liberation, which is a huge person that Salamandra is involved in. Um, the workers' unions, right? How how the college through the city council is trying to control the worker unions of the police department, the fire department, the DPW. Organizations such as Black Lives Matter, the Rising Panthers, which was known as the Black Panthers organization, and gangs like the Bloods, the Crips, the Latin oh, yeah. Kings. On top of all this stuff, we still have gangs everywhere, people. Yes, and there's MS-13, Bloods, Crips. And Latin they're connected. Kings, yeah. We found there are some connections between them and the Geneva City Council. Wow. And that's going to blow your mind. Here's one that blew my mind. The Geneva Boys and Girls Club. Right. They are planting seeds into the children. Oh, oh Absolutely. And and trying to 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 uh, uh, sow the the flowers and and uh, uh, fruit of our future. Oh yeah, with oh, indoct, indoct, indoctrinate the kids, and they'll be good sheep. Good sheep for the future. Yeah. So and then each one of these blocks we're going to be talking about each one of those organizations we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be talking about the, the connections, the control, uh, their direct or indirect connections, and the conflict of interest between those groups. In addition, every one of those groups, we have people's names attached to them and the organizations right. they're involved in right? and how they're now, controlling. You've been spending a lot of time at the library. Yep. You've been talking with police, different organizations. organizations. You've been having meetings with different groups. Yep. And you have been basically pulling all of your information, verifying everything from publicly available sources of information. Exactly. And the funny thing is that somebody may think, oh, you know what? I know there's a connection between uh, Board of Elections and City Council. Oh, I know there's a connection between Board of Education and City Council. Oh, well, of I, course. I mean, I, and I some know. people would think that that's perfectly natural. There's kind of supposed to be a connection. Well, but they don't understand just where the connection is, how deep it runs, and just how that connection is affecting 
here's a food and for th- sometimes in- inappropriately. Exactly. Here's food for thought. If Laura Salamandra is a communist who ran on a on a Democratic ticket, and she has a connection to the Board of Elections, wouldn't that make you question her twelve votes for winning? Mm-hmm. It would also make me wonder if she has a connection to Board of Education. She does. What is she? What is she trying to do? She does, and also she had the connections to. Or what is what what is what is that? What is the level of influence for that connection? And does that connection act uh, kind of grant her special access to trying to get them to do things for her or teach exactly certain programs the, the way she wants them taught? Right. She has this huge vendetta against the police department a lot of people do because we enforce the laws but she's also under currently she's she's also under investigation by the new york state police department for her actions against the fire department during a peaceful back the blue rally oh that's not good no so and you know i'm sorry but why would anybody pick on the police on the fire department i get picking on the police department these are the people that will run into your house yeah in a fire in a fire to save your ass and and you got to call them a racist i can see that if they turned around and said oh uh this is laura salamandra's house let's move back out Yeah, we're not we're not going to put this fire. No, they're going to put your fire out. They're going to put, put your fire out, regardless they're gonna of. Save, they're going to save your life. They're going to save as much of your property as they can. Yep. They don't care who you are. They don't even care the fact you that are. you you're in a house that you don't pay taxes for, and that you're excited about the fact that you have COVID saving your ass from paying rent right now. Oh wow! Yeah. So that's a lot of stuff. Food for thought for our future podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about this uh, this flow chart that I've designed that I've put together, not designed, but put together based on facts. I got this matrix of table table matrix with people's names and organizations associated with them and the people that are connected to these organizations and how they're affecting the city of Geneva, New York and how they're trying to push socialism, Marxism, communism. And, and communism on our city residents who are busting their tails every day going to work. Yeah, who aren't playing politics at all. They, they avoid politics for the most part, and they have no idea this is going on behind the scenes. Right. So because Scott, they, they keep to themselves, they go to work, they earn their living, they support their families, they try to support their communities, they try to do what they can in the spirit of goodwill and community participation. Absolutely. Scott, you know I'm uh, digging into this, and I'm doing it because of the love for the people. And the love for the city that I have. Yep. And I thank you. Scott, you got any last thoughts on this before we wrap it up? I can't wait to get into this series of podcasts, my friend. I am so looking forward to this. Yeah. This is going to be a big, uh, a big uh, uh, exposure of the groundwork of people and how they're trying to produce communism into the small cities and how it's funneling up to the problem we have in this country. Yes, and I. the last thought, you asked for my last thought, here it is. This is not just going on in Geneva. Things like this are happening everywhere in America. And I think people are finally waking up to the fact that at certain levels, certain groups are funding elections 
to try to sway them their way. Yep. And when elections get funded a certain way for various things like district attorneys, states attorneys, things like that, things don't criminals don't get prosecuted criminals wind up back on the streets to commit more crimes and all of a sudden quality of life goes down yeah and you can see the quality of life in this country has gone down yes and and i can't wait till after the elections so that we have a, a way forward hopefully we will right and so scott i love you man thank you so much you for uh participating in uh in this podcast and i'm looking so forward to the next podcast uh this is brooklyn mike and dj scott west on tbmsradio.com the brooklyn beef thank you for listening to the brooklyn beef podcast this is brooklyn mike and thank you to my co-hosts Mike Scully, and DJ Scott West. For more information about our podcast, please go to tbmsradio.com or go to any of your favorite podcast platform and check out the Brooklyn Beef.